The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the latest episode of Star Trek Prodigy, Terror Firma. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. Howdy, Dom. And Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Yet another thing named terror, terror firma in science fiction. Okay, yeah, I've never seen that before. <laughs> yes. In fact, there's been a terra firma in, in Discovery, I think it was. Uh, Enterprise. Yeah. Well, yeah, terra. So terra firma means solid solid ground yeah. in, in Latin. But sci-fi people love to turn that into terror firma. Yes. Yeah. The, the, the pun they love. Folks, follow the secrets of Star Trek in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, your favorite podcast app, or at the SQPN YouTube channel to and make sure to hit the bell to get notifications. Folks, be sure to stick around to the end of the episode. We have uh, some great listener feedback on last week's discussion. Uh, before the, we get into this week's discussion, I'd want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network called The Secrets of Movies and TV Shows. It's a podcast where we discuss about all kinds of start uh, movies tv shows science fiction non-science fiction all kinds of stuff check it out wherever you find fine podcasts or at sqpn.com slash secrets but first let's talk about star trek prodigy jimmy can you give us a quick recap of this episode Last time, Gwen tried to steal the ship and ditch the crew on the murderous planet they're on, which Jenkinpog names Planet Murder. This time, Gwen finally bonds and becomes part of the team. The protostar has been thrown 10 kilometers, or about 6 miles, uh, from the kids, so they start trekking back to it. But the living planet they're on starts shape-shifting around them to mislead them and keep them from getting back. The kids, including Gwen, must help each other out in order to survive, and eventually they figure out that they can use the stars in the night sky for navigation to get back to the ship. But now that they're making progress, Gwyn's dad shows up and his battle droid, General Grievous. Uh, <laughs> we then get an upward look. We even get an upward looking shot of General Grievous on the road as Frodo and the gang hang out from him behind under an <laughs> overhang. Meanwhile, Gwyn's dad shows up and sees the protostar, upon which he says, Salvation! <laughs> and then, even though his daughter is right there being choked by vines, he chooses the ship over her, only to become overcome by the vines himself. When the kids get back to the ship, they rescue Gwyn from the vines and take off, but Solemn and General Grievous follow them into warp in the Rev-12. The kids then realize that the protostar's warp drive contains a turbo booster in the form of an actual protostar, a baby star that the engine has in a containment field. And since Gwen's dad left her to be choked by vines, she throws in her lot with the other kids and hits the turbo booster, getting them out of there and leaving her dad to eat their space dust. The end. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this episode takes a picks up from the last one just like from the the next moment from that um and as you mentioned it's it, it's they now have to track they have separation from the ship and they have to cross a dangerous 
uh, territory. Uh, the runaway, the the little uh, dune buggy that uh, had been revealed in the last episode, has conveniently been crunched by the yeah, vines. So have the transporters. Apparently, this was becoming a real problem. It's like, why aren't you just beaming the kids back? Right. That's yeah. that was a, something that came up. A couple times in this, like when at the end, when they're rescuing Gwyn and they're having to dangle Dal off of a cable, like, does Janeway not remember the hollow Janeway not remember that there are transporters on the ship? Well, it's interesting because we, we, we've kind of explained it before. OK, they're not introducing the transporters yet because reasons. Well, but they introduced the idea of the transporter. Right. You know, yeah. uh, Dreadnought and, and uh, the diviner Solemn transport down and yeah. we see tra Solemn transporting down so now okay it's been introduced oh by the way the protostar has this too beam us up yeah and they didn't have to do it that way they could have had them take a shuttle down and mm -hmm. and kept and you know pretended okay for whatever reasons transporters aren't common right it's just yeah it is um yeah it's 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 a kind of false drama you know we're creating extra mm -hmm. drama where the 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 premise of the series doesn't need it it doesn't doesn't allow for it necessarily because they didn't introduce a reason why they can't use this now, fundamental aspect of Star Trek to give to give people credit, the writers credit, what little credit they deserve for this aspect. How many times have there been episodes where, oh, no, right at the exact second we need the transporters, the transporters are down because techno babble. Yeah. And, and they and they do that, but they could do something here that would ex i mean they could have, i mean these are kids they don't know what they're yeah. doing and they could have an episode where they start to use the transporters and they break it mm. and 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 it's unclear if it'll ever be able to be fixed and that would explain why most of the time we don't have transporters allowing right. a more action oriented approach to things for the kids, but we could still pull them out of the hat if we need to in an emergency occasionally. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I was just thinking off the top of my head, you know, they're, they're part of the, the this episode is the fact that the energy levels are dropping to almost nothing. And that's why they discovered yeah. the, that the was Pro Star containment. OK, fine. And that's why the transporters don't work, because they don't work if the ship is not completely powered. It does not work on emergency power, for example. That, fine. That could One also line, work. Done. Yeah, yeah. you got to say it. You got to say it. Or the fan yeah. is going to say, why, 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 why? <laughs> well, and I had that problem with the power stuff. Um, it's like, why is why is this ship so underpowered if it can fling itself between stars at superluminal velocity um, mm -hmm. that it makes no sense. Mm -hmm. And they've kind of take the edge off that a little bit by, okay, it's got this high priority gravimetric protostar containment system that's sucking a bunch of power. Well, okay, fine. But still, if it can fling itself at warp in addition to having the, that, mm -hmm. it still shouldn't be losing power this fast. Right. Right. Or it's a very poorly designed ship. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What I was surprised by is how quickly they resolve some of these uh, some of these things. I would have thought so. They th there's this moment where Janeway's trying to deal with the power problem and she and, and the um, the ship tells her it's the gravimetric protostar containment system that's sucking all the power <clears throat> and she says disable it and the computer says no this is a high priority system it can only be disabled by uh by uh, captain's orders and she's not actually the captain she's just hologram mm -hmm. and so um 
that was mysterious. And I thought, oh, they'll probably play with this for a few episodes before they tell us mm. what this system does. That's a nice mystery. You want to, from a writing perspective, you, you don't want to introduce a mystery and suddenly resolve it, you know, normally. But that's what they did here. They also mm -hmm. similarly, so they introduced and resolved the uh, this containment system, and they also resolved, at least apparently, unless she has reasons to question the crew later, they resolved Gwen's involvement in the crew, yeah. yeah, in the episode, which is also faster than I expected. I would have, I would have, I would have been from a writing perspective. I wouldn't have, I, I, I would have had her relationship with her father be more ambiguous for longer, mm -hmm. rather than on their first encounter since she was taken. He decides to let her be choked to death by vines. Yeah. yeah. Right. Now, now remember that this is meant to be more of a kid's show, so the writing is going to be simpler. I mean... Oh, I agree. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, the, the, I can understand why they wouldn't keep the mystery. Um, the one thing that I kind of was noticed in a writing aspect is, so last week, Gwen takes control of the ship, which means taking control of Hollow Janeway. This week, that's completely forgotten. Because Jane, Hollow Janeway immediately responds to Dal. Right. Instead of Gwen. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they kind of let so that, that go. That, yeah. They kind of just dropped that, that Gwyn had commandeered the ship and taken control of it. So, but again, kids TV, so a little bit simpler yeah. writing. So uh, we have this, this, they have to cross the, dare I say, trek across the planet's surface. Oh, I, I said it, I already said it, they trek. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I missed, missed that. Missed it there, Dom. I, <laughs> I even said they start trekking. Oh, but, um, I missed yeah. that. Yeah, that must have that subconsciously I lodged went in by there. fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, Gwyn has a broken leg, and at first, Dal's going to leave her to die. I thought that was a uh, kind of uh, interesting, uh, but kind of, it's, kind of ambiguates who with both groups leaving you to die. Who do you want to join? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but Rock is, uh, is refusing to leave her, and Gwyn is able to use her special telepathic sword thing as a a cast essentially mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. help her walk. So I kind of like this this the little bit of a uh, tech they've introduced. It's kind of cool. Um, mm -hmm. We mentioned that a uh, hollow Janeway is forced to to take care of things herself, so she has agency, like the doctor did in Voyager. There is some agency; mm -hmm. she's not merely just a computer program. So that's interesting. Um, <clears throat> there is a a bit of a another moment where they're attacked by the vine creature. Uh, so they and it's funny; like they're being attacked. So what do we do? Let's set it on fire. And they end up creating a forest fire. <laughs> they have to yeah. from the frying pan <laughs> to the fire. Yeah. I, so Gwyn makes a torch. They're using. So when this happens, the vine creature things are reading their minds and they create the illusion of a watcher, which was one of the robot guards. And it's not a humanoid robot. Yeah, it's 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 more mechanical looking. It's not doesn't have a bipedal body structure. Um, but we saw them back in episode one. And so the kids were terrified of the of the watchers watcher guard robots on the mm -hmm. asteroid and so it's natural for the planet to create the illusion of one of them and they're shooting it with phasers which is having no effect and so Gwyn makes a torch which she does and lights remarkably fast <laughs> and throws it at the um at the thing and it immediately catches on fire apparently the vines were already soaked in some kind of accelerant that we just didn't <laughs> see um but uh but 
I'm going, wait a minute. I mean, phasers disintegrate things. <laughs> Should, right. yeah. Shouldn't they have, a, I mean, at least they ought to have a catch it on fire setting somewhere in there. Right. Well, well apparently it does because she used the phaser to light the light torch. Light the torch. Yeah. <laughs> so why, guys, this torch is a bit of a distraction. I mean, what it's really there for is to give, an, on the writing level, is to give Gwen an opportunity to save the day so the other kids will yeah. open up to her. Mm. But it, it doesn't really think about, it doesn't really hold together well if you think about it. Right. That's, right. Right. Exactly. Uh, so they encounter some uh, acid rain because it's it, which is the digestive uh, enzymes for the planet. Because that's that's OK. Yeah, yeah that that's works. nice. Uh, they so they find a Klingon wreck to shelter in and they kind of this kind of passes by. But yet another alpha quadrant, alpha beta quadrant ship yeah. in the delta quadrant. It's kind of interesting. Um, now, one one explanation I saw online was uh, from the caretaker. You know, the care, we know that the caretaker had been pulling more than Voyager, well oh, yeah. before Voyager. So um, maybe this is another ship that had been caught by the caretaker and eventually ended up at this planet. Yeah, yeah. It, it could be, although how many, how many, how many ships are the caretaker going to have done that will end up in all the same spots? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I, I, I was intrigued by when Solemn sees the protostar, he says salvation. And yep, yep. that suggests a very deep connection. And he's he's running. He's got some kind of problem mm -hmm. that he wants the protostar to solve. And it's a big problem because otherwise he wouldn't describe the protostar as salvation. And since we know the protostar comes from the Alpha Quadrant, I'm I'm thinking that may be more evidence that he's also from the Alpha Quadrant and yeah. he wants to be saved from his exile in the Delta Quadrant. Yeah. It I'm also brief. could be related to his medical problem mm -hmm. since mm -hmm. he's spent most of his time in a containment tank of some type. Yep. After so, having to sleep inside of a Tauntaun overnight in the freezing <laughs> cold. <laughs> <laughs> so... We have this scene in the uh, inside the the Klingon wreck ship where between Dal and Gwyn, and one of the things that ca came across me is Gwyn seems so much mature, more mature than Dal. Oh Dal yeah, just mm -hmm. is so like oh like like an, almost like infuriatingly dense at times, and she uh, because she's a girl and he's a boy, <laughs> and that's what that's the way it has to be on television, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I get girls mature faster than boys on average by in general, et cetera, et cetera, of the but same age. But he says they're the same age. Right. Exactly. They're not even the same species. So, you know, they're not human. Yeah. It's it's just kind of annoying because he makes such dumb errors. And I know, mm -hmm. again, like Father Quay said, it's a kid's show. It's aimed at kids. But gosh, I mean, it's just so like he makes dumb errors. Gwyn, she makes mistakes, too, but they're not at the level of like, well, that was dumb like you, you know you that that was just arrogance on your part or whatever right uh, it's just, uh, just it's frustrating to, to see that but i do like the fact that they are yeah, actually like connected where where the good role models for boys mm -hmm. yeah. we spend all this stuff on oh we need good role models for girls great where are the ones for boys They're what's happened in a lot of media mm -hmm. is that you have uh you have portrayed boys far worse than girls were ever portrayed right? in yeah. order to make the girls look good. So this has been treated as a zero-sum game 
where in order to have good role models for girls, you make the boys look stupid by comparison. Mm -hmm. And that just evaporates the good role models for boys. Well, and this this is a complaint we've had for a long time with parents, with adults, where the dads are always the bumbling dunces and the mom's always the wise one of the. Oh, yeah. What what gives you the right to talk to me like that? Forty seven years of pain. You'll (laughs) you'll understand that in a few days when uh, Doctor Who comes out. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. That's the thing is there's not a single good male role model in this in this series so far. We've you know, we've got basically. Uh, Solemn, who's evil bad guy. We've he's, got, he's the series villain, right? Yeah. yeah. We've got Dal, who, as I mentioned, is kind of arrogant and makes dumb, dumb self-involved mistakes. We've got Jenker uh, Pog is comic relief. Yeah. There, yeah. I mean, uh, otherwise we got Rock, who's good. Hollow John Janeway. We got Gwyn. You know, I mean, oh yeah, uh, this is totally the girls rule, boys drool thing. You have Janeway, yeah. Gwyn, and Rock yep. as the sympathetic superior characters. Right. Right. Yeah, it's it is frustrating to to to, to watch that into. I mean, maybe Chakotay will show up, like we've heard that he will, and be a a role model of some sort to 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 Dal, which he needs. I mean, he needs a, someone to show up to teach him <laughs> how to be and a better I, man. I, yeah. I will say that that there is there is the hints of development of Dal, but oh, again, yeah. it's it's a hints of it's not. Yeah. You know, and that, that's again, that's fair enough. You, you know, yeah, this has been four weeks for us, you know, watching these episodes. But for for them, it would be a couple of days. So it's understandable. But still, um, you know, it'd be nice to see that development picking up pace when it comes back here mm-hmm. in so a couple one, of months. Yes. One of the elements of, of this planet that has been the problem is they've only got to go six miles to get to the protostar. But the planet, being a sentient planet, keeps reconfiguring itself to make them go in circles, which is kind of clever. Yeah, this also, I kind of guess I gave him a bit of a pass because this also doesn't make a lot of sense if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's got them on a treadmill, by that it's it's a big treadmill they're not perceiving as a treadmill, then navigating by stars is not going to fix it. And right. And and furthermore, if this planet is really intelligent, which it seems to be because it can talk human language when it wants to, mm-hmm. um, if it's really intelligent, it has other ways of dealing with the problem, like suddenly have Devil's Tower erupt underneath them. Right. Yeah. And and there is no way they can get off this super high plateau without killing themselves. Right. 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 Yeah. It's it, it again, uh, a bit of a plot hole in the way they've they've, they've done this. But uh, yeah. So or they just smash them between rocks now and digest <laughs> them at your leisure. Right. Yeah. right. <laughs> uh, it's toying with them, apparently, or something. I don't know. Um, so meanwhile, they, uh, the robo scorpion arrives and <laughs> chases them. The, the robo scorpion King, uh, Gwyn is revealed as having contacted her dad and betrayed them long before sh- that could be, should have been seen as a betrayal, but okay. But she sacrifices herself for them. Yeah. It's a, it's a classic trope. <laughs> yeah. He's, they're not betraying you if, if you know they're on the other side. <laughs> right, right, right. But they act, they act as if she's betrayed them somehow, uh, before, before she had, switch sides um you mentioned the, the the scene where solemn shows up and picks the protostar over gwyn and it turns out that there wasn't really the protostar that he was choosing anyway it was an, another pl- uh, planet illusion 
It was really just mm-hmm. vines. Um, and they, they kind of oh. pull a fast one on the viewer, too. Oh, was uh, that, that the case? Because I didn't understand what was happening there. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, th- I thought it was, I thought, okay, he's at the protostar. And then he gets overcome by vines. And I guess he's pulled away from it because then Dal shows up. Right. They, they, no. If that's what they wanted to communicate, that this was an illusion, they could have been clearer about it. Yeah, he's going up yes. the ramp, and then we see, we switch to Janeway, and here's the knocking at the door, and we think, the audience thinks it's Solemn, so the door opens, but it's Dal instead of Solemn, and then we switch back, and we see Solemn standing on, instead of the ramp, yeah. vines. So yeah, I it thought that been was just confusing. Yeah, it could yeah, this, 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 and of course, this was they, they did that on purpose. You know, they did this, the switching of the perspectives, you know, the, 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 is it him or is it someone else? You know, is it the crew? And, right. and of course, it turns out to be the crew entering into the ship where he gets the vines. And this is, you know, I, I commented on this last week where, okay, we see the ship crash, but did we really see the ship crash or is this something the planet did as a trick? Well, yeah. kind of. <laughs> right. Kind of, kind of right, kind of wrong. So, so they take off, uh, leaving solemn behind with uh, 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 dreadlocks and um, they, <laughs> he beams up to his ship and they rev 12 chases them. Uh, and uh, deadlock says something along the lines of uh, your progeny betrayed us. And I'm like, no, you, he betrayed her. Like, like yeah, uh, this, you know, no sense getting offended. You're the one who left her to die. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, well, that's the, the, obviously the theme of this episode is the choice. You know, who do you choose? Do you choose, you right. know, your family, your friends, or do you choose other people or other yeah. things? Yeah. Bloodnock and the, uh, the, and the diviner and the kids all seem to have a shady, shaky understanding of what betrayal involves. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> they do. Uh, and then, you know, we have this chase scene where uh, Rev, the Rev 12 is about to capture uh, the protostar at warp. And then they figure out, and you know, we have the long drawn out sequence of trying to figure out how to, you know, whether we should start the protostar drive or, you know, will Dal turn off the containment field and, and, and as we know, blow up the ship uh, yeah. or, you know, and so instead they end up activating it and it, you know, yeah, like you mentioned, turbo boost of some sort. Uh, they uh, called uh, it proto warp. Pro, yeah. That, we've been told there's a 9.9 you know speed limit on warp although there's something called also called the quantum slipstream that they've introduced in other places so the important part is this is supposed to be cool and fast yes it's a much cooler much faster ship so it's not just named protostar it has a protostar at its heart and unless it's an antimatter protostar it's not going to make a difference (laughs) (laughs) it's a lot of energy which yeah, is it's like proto stars is like okay, you know, star in. You already use matter antimatter reactions, mm-hmm. and you yeah. apparently have an unlimited supply of antimatter. Having a proto star is not a big deal. That's like having a big ball of chocolate. It's like <laughs> unless you've got antimatter to go along with it, it's not going to do anything for you. Right. Well, right. I, I suppose they, they figured since, you know, the TARDIS is powered by a star on the other end of its life cycle, let's go to the first part of its life cycle <laughs> instead of the end of its life cycle. Right. Instead of a supernova. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't make a whole lot of uh, logical scientific sense, but, you know, that's what, what they've given us. Uh, it, you know, uh, not kudos, but the, the opposite of kudos to Starfleet for losing your sh- your ship with the experimental yeah. super fast drive. Uh, I'm still curious. I well, you know, want to find out how this all came about. 
And we do have the transforming ship where when they go to proto warp, the nacelles tuck underneath and get yeah. the super super booster out the back end. That is uh, cool. I love Rock's reaction. Oh, a baby star. You know, I was like, <laughs> yeah. isn't that cute? <laughs> right, right, right. I liked how they um they at one point where they're sitting around on the planet at night and they're eating, we get some insight into Rock's uh uh, psyche because she's talking in a way that reveals the fact she has uh, body image insecurity mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. everybody perceives her as threatening right. based on her on her body form and so uh, lots of and you know we mentioned last week you pointed out Don the actress is like 10 years old mm-hmm. well lots of little girls and lots of adults of yeah. both genders have body image insecurity issues and uh and I thought that was a that was a nice you know touch there yeah yeah definitely yeah that that was good well we we saw that the first episode when uh Dal meets Rock. He thinks that she's this big, intimidating. Of course, all he hears is her growling or whatever. Yeah. And it turns out, of course, she's not yeah. big. Or well, she's big, but she's not intimidating. Right. Right. Um, I guess what the only other thing I was mentioned is, is that uh, somewhere Dal has Dal has picked up the idea that uh, as captain you do captain's logs, so he does a captain's log supplemental. Jane, Janeway told him to. I'm Janeway sure, told him I'm to sure do it. Janeway told him to do it. You must yes. monitor. You must record your activities, cadet. <laughs> right, yep. right. The paperwork must be observed. The bureaucracy is forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, any other thoughts on this episode, Father Corey? Uh, so when they're in the the Klingon ship they're eating Klingon rations including you see a bowl of gah a yeah. dead gah of yeah. course because they're rations instead of the live ones and then I agree, I agree with Rock it should be Larry the planet <laughs> Larry the planet <laughs> <laughs> alright Jimmy I liked how they figured out uh, to navigate by stars even though there are countermeasures the planet could easily use there you have Dal and um, and Gwyn watching out of the back of the Klingon ship and on the planet surface and they, and they see a shooting star go Mm -hmm. by and that twigs the thought, wait, regular stars don't move. We could use them for navigation. And of course, stellar navigation has been used for millennia here Mm -hmm. on earth. I mean, that's how people got to Polynesian islands. Mm -hmm. They, they, they were coming from East Asia and they navigated for thousands of miles by star. And so um, this is very ancient. I liked how they introduced it and I liked how they, how they then uh, built on it once they start trekking using the stars as navigation at night because they'd been traveling by day but once they start using the stars um dal takes credit for it but then co-credits gwyn yeah. with helping him come up with the idea and i like that that was nice character development so right. i i did like those aspects of the writing excellent all right so that does it for this weekend and by the way it's a, a mentioned what we're going to talk about next time but this is the mid-season finale they're only doing five mm-hmm. episodes for the for the first part of the first season and i think we mentioned this last time and now we're gonna to have to wait till january to get the rest of the season, oh, well, first season. or part of the rest yeah. yeah i think it's actually supposed to be a 20 episode season right um but we're gonna get five now we'll get five after discovery's done assumingly before picard and then i guess the last 10 after picard this is like a parent doling out Halloween candy. 
come on, <laughs> let me dive in. <laughs> and then I, I suppose after they finally air all the episodes on Paramount Plus, then they'll put it on Nickelodeon yeah. in a regular rotation, I'm assuming. That's right. That's right. That I would I would assume so. All right. So uh, let's get to our listener feedback that I'd mentioned before. Uh, this comes from Thomas Salerno on YouTube, who writes, uh, Hi, Dom, Jimmy, and Father Corey. Listening to you guys discuss the plot of this episode, and he means uh, our, our last week's episode, I was mm -hmm. reminded of the Ray Bradbury short story, Here There Be Tigers, in which a group of space explorers land on a world inhabited by a telepathic planet-wide organism. The planet creature seems benevolent and is able to conjure up whatever the astronauts desire, but it becomes hostile as soon as any attempt is made to exploit the planet's resources. It's a similar enough concept that it made me wonder whether that story may have been a partial inspiration for this episode of Prodigy. It's possible. Um, Bradbury is certainly a very popular sci-fi writer, and the if the um, if the writers of this episode are are you know not just twenty somethings mm -hmm. who don't know anything yet in terms of culture because they focused everything on learning about Hollywood, um, then they might have heard of Ray Bradbury. Mm -hmm. And they might have heard of that story. Um, on the other hand, they may be aware of other things because uh, living planets and planet-wide organisms are a co fairly common trope in uh, in imaginative fiction. Um, in DC Comics, you have Mogo, mm -hmm. who mm -hmm. is a living planet that's a Green Lantern. In Marvel Comics, you have Ego, the Ego. living planet. We saw that in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, yep. Uh huh. Yep. Um, even I, some back when I was in my twenties, I wrote a sci-fi story in which it had a planet-wide organism. Right, and then shore leave is is close enough, which we'll be talking about very soon. You'll be hearing us talk about yep. that. Uh, yep. Shore leave is is not the same. It's not a planetary organism, but it's an environment in which your telepathic wishes come true, uh, right. or I was become, just trying to, become real. I was. I, was, I remember we were we talked about a. T or TOS episode, and that, that's what it was. Yep, yep. Which you'll get to hear next week. Later. <laughs> uh, so, but uh, thank you, Thomas. That is a good point. Uh, that the uh, the mm -hmm. idea of is a is an interesting idea. That I think that's why they keep going back to it. All right, uh, that should do it for now. We'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Star Trek, including Pete P, Father Eric C, Father Michael D, Father Matt N, and Joe M. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Star Trek and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. What did you think of Terror Firma, this Prodigy episode? You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek or our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media, or send an email to trek at sqpn.com. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing, as I mentioned, the original series episode, Shore Leave. That should be a nice bookend to this one. Until then, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me on in sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, Dom. And Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. Quest.